What up, nerds, nerdettes, and normies? This is Greg. I'm going to be filling in today for Shane, and I am up here uh, by day. The the other nerd dad across from me is a, a doctor of political science right here in uh, in Russellville, Arkansas. But by night, he is simply known Chris Hausnick, the DM. How are you today, sir? I am well, thank you. All right. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, in case you guys haven't uh, been watching our social media, uh, this is a D&D themed episode. That's Dungeons and Dragons for you guys who are uninitiated. And uh, Mr. Hausnick here is a uh, he's a very experienced DM. He's a uh, he's he's uh, very knowledgeable about this. And uh, yeah, I just want to kind of give him a spot. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience there. So uh, I st- I'm an old school D&D player. I started in the 80s. Um, Which back, edition was that? Uh, technically first, nice. and what they called it, there was the boxed set Dungeons and Dragons, the red box, the blue box, and then there was the advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which were these books that were orange bound and stuff, you know, that orange down the spine, very distinct look. I started mm-hmm. there. I played up through my high school years. Um, by the early '90s, I joined the military and got out of it. Okay. Uh, I would, in, we were talking about this earlier, I kind of got back into it maybe about 15 or 20 years ago, because um, I didn't get a chance to sit down and play the role-playing game, but um, Wizards of the Coast, the company that makes D&D, did a lot of video games. Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, they basically adventures, you play on a computer, you're on your own, uh, but it uses the D&D rule sets of the era. Now, fast forward to about 2017, my mom is cleaning out something at their house, and she finds a box. And the box has got some of those, you know, early 80s D&D books still in it in, in good condition. Um, so I start looking around, and I find out there's a new edition that's come out, um, now the fifth edition. And it's taking off, and um, so I have a couple of uh, professor nerd friends. And I... Re- to, to double check the year, it was the year there was not a Star Wars movie coming out at Christmas. Okay. Very important for that time. Because yeah. well, it's funny the professor. If you want nerd, you know, great place to find nerds for this podcast. The it was always the Friday before graduation. The kids are still in school, but you if you would go to like you know UBC theaters, Pickwood at the time, that Friday matinee like at noon, like half the ATU faculty was there because the kids are in school. There you go. It's like we're gonna go watch. But it was the year there wasn't a Star Wars movie. So it's between 7, 8, 9, and Solo. There was a year where there was nothing. So I'd found this stuff, and I talked to a couple friends, and we're like, you know, want to play for that day? And we went to Dog Ear Books down here. The, the old location there on Main Street, it had an upper like upper deck, the upper yep. tier. The so-called study area. Yes. And we sat up there. They had a nice big table chairs. We sat, Sounds and I perfect. think we played four, four and a half hours. Yeah. You know, That's enjoyed fantastic. ourselves. And that group, I still, half of us, myself, I was a dungeon master. There were still, I think there were four players. Two of them are still with me now five years plus later. That's, so, that's super cool. Yep. Super cool. Uh, Chris, so, uh, you know, that you, you, you're using these terms, dungeon master and stuff like that. Now, you know, some people that are a little bit more deeper in the nerddom, this is, these are easy terms. Okay. But, uh, you know, let's step out a little bit. Let's talk to, to more of the people that are uh, maybe curious, uh, D&D oh, yes. curious, I guess. You There's know? a lot, and, yes. Yeah, and uh, which myself included. I've never actually played, but I'm, uh, I love the idea of the lore. I love the, uh, the creativity that can be put behind it. And it really, it reminds me a lot of kind of uh, in, the, in the yard, 
hard playing pretend, you know, I've got... You That's know. a good way to think about it. You're playing pretend with rules. Now, most of our dads, we've got kids. Yep. You know, how many times do kids want to play, like, you know, cops and robbers? And they always... What happens? They want to have the shootout scene, you know, it's heat. They're coming out of the bank. I shot you. No, I shot you. And they start yelling, and, you know... Yeah, you're you know, dead. You're dead. No, exactly. you're dead. Exactly. What D&D is, it's got rules for it. You know, you, you know, you take a shot. You roll a die. Um, no, you didn't hit anything. You rolled a four. Or, hey, you rolled a 19. You hit. Then you roll another die for damage and stuff like that. So it's it is it's storytelling, but it's got um, guardrails, rules, etc. Because um, one of the famous there is a um, something that's helped elevate D anD. d We were talking about there's been like you know pop culture and TV shows, but the the streaming of live games, people will play, they will record it, they will post it online. One of the big groups is called Critical Role. They've gone to anime on, you know, when you got an Amazon, you know, contract for, you know, 12 episodes of anime, you've made it. That's a big deal. Yeah, but one of their, like, one of their key catchphrases is, you can certainly try. And that means you're allowed to roll the dice and see what happens. Yeah. Look so, at this. Look at this guy. His name is Matt Mercer. He's yes. uh, he's a dungeon master. And, uh, he's but he's a, also deep. Like, I don't think, I was, I'm trying to explain this to my kids nowadays. He's deep nerd. Oh, big time. Like, yeah. he was, you know, an anime voiceover guy 25 mm-hmm. years ago, and then, because uh, he just did, as we're recording this, uh, my kids are great, but they are so deep into Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. And he's one of the, he's come back, he's he's like the major voice in that and stuff like that. He's Ganondorf, apparently. Okay. I believe um, he's also uh, McCree from Overwatch. Yes, they, I think they were all on Overwatch. A lot of them were... Um, uh, the Last of Us, the HBO, they were the video game voices that turned into the TV show because some of them have been recycled. They're getting like on air. Like one of them is uh, named Ashley Johnson. She's probably the biggest one because she was actually in Avengers. I mean, if you remember the Avengers, there is a New York waitress who Captain America saves and that's a cutscene. That's her. She plays with this group. They have, like on YouTube, they'll have 50,000 watchers on a Thursday night for their broadcasts. Um, and they're, I think they're one of the biggest Twitch streaming programs as well. You're correct. Um, but they were, you know, they were professional voice, all of them were professional voice actors. They're like, we need something. You talk about doing voices. They started playing as, this is the way we're going to do voices. I'm going to build a character, and I'm going to have the, I'm going to have this powerful voice, or this silly voice, or the small voice, or whatever. So they used it as like pro- professional development, and it, theirs took off. It skyrocketed um, into a you know they're making their own games, multiple programs, um, sponsored content, stuff like that. Yeah. So I think, but that helps get people get into it. Of course. Um, we joke like if you want to learn something, here's a rule book. You're not going to get the idea like sports. Here is the f- rules of football. You're going to read it, and you're going to be completely lost. But if you could see it done, hear it done, see what happens, that certainly helped. I think that's helped the growth. You know, if you want to play the game, you can go people see different styles, different adventures. You know, you just start looking through YouTube, and there are plenty of it, uh, plenty of content that will show you what it looks like. And I love so, that you are talking about how inclusive it is yes. and how there are so many different levels to it. It's not oh, yeah. like a, uh, there's not a lot of gatekeeping involved in the D&D community. Uh, from an entry level perspective, this, you can get as deep or as shallow as you want. Exactly. And there's, 
one other thing is like, you were talking D&D, but there's so many other game systems that are out there. That's part of what my shelf is. Um, most fandoms will somewhere have a role-playing game that you like. Okay. You know, we talked about Nathan George is huge in the Star Wars. They got D20 Star Wars. There's a, you know, Star, there's Star Wars role-playing games. Um, I have an alien role-playing game, which if you're, it's rough. Um, survival is not guaranteed. You know, I have never actually killed a character in D&D. I think I killed half of them playing Alien in like six hours. But and if you've seen the Alien movies, you know, that's kind of on brand. Yes, exactly. You know, just making sure everybody realizes, you know, by the way, you're talking about, yeah. you know, seven foot acid for blood, you yeah. know, carnivorous monsters. And if but you don't end the whole game with uh, game over, man, game over. Exactly. You know, shout out to Bill Paxton. Rest in yes, peace, exactly. Yeah. So those sorts of things. You know, um, if you've got a fandom, it somewhere probably has a game in print um, somewhere that you can get into. And there's a lot of independent. There's just way too many independent. Well, let's um, not even talk about homebrew stuff. Oh, yeah. We're talking like there's, you know, D&D is the big one. It's almost kind of like the gateway drug. Sure, sure, sure. You know, everybody's seen it. Everybody's heard about it. They've seen it on Stranger Things and stuff like that. That gets a lot of people in the door and experimenting. But then you realize there's all these other genres and approaches you know it's really um a good time you know part of it again is like online publishing you know no it's great that D publishes you know 200 page color really great up textbooks but you can have somebody working in a you know in a place like the offbeat times this may be the entire staff three or four people they're going to put out a 90 page pdf of a game system um, that might be five dollars, and and online markets and marketing and stuff like that. It's it's very easy to get um, to get into it now. If you find like this is what I like. Well, I love the so, I love how you're you're talking about the accessibility yes. because yeah, it has it has yep. become a lot more accepted in our culture. You know, D and D kind of had uh, some misconceptions at the beginning, very similar to Pokemon actually, where there was a lot of you know yep. different kind it's, of. I'm old enough to remember the Satanic Panic yeah, and stuff like yeah, that, exactly. and that was affected actually in the products. I have a I just have one or two books from Second Edition, Dungeons and Dragons, and so for those D and D starts, it's nothing. I've read some of the history of it. Mm -hmm. There was no game anything like it. There's no comparison where you sit around a table, you roll dice, and you go on adventures. Um, and it was really just a you know small company out of uh, Wisconsin. I think I got it right. Um, but there was nothing like it. And then when they started to realize they were taking everything from like you know popular culture literature and stuff like that. Um, so there was kind of a backlash, and people were worried, you know. Um, they called it the Satanic Panic because yes. you could, you could, you know, in your adventures, you can go fight devils, you can fight demons, you can fight, you know, Asmodeus himself. Himself, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. you want to go full lawful good, you know, paragon yeah. of things. But people yeah. read this out of context, or, and remember, there's no internet. It's well, literally 87, 88. And if you're in the basement playing this and, uh, you know, uh, mom's up at the door and suddenly hears, you know, I take a crack at Asmodeus's uh, head, you know, and it's like, um, what are my kids doing again? Yes. So they came out with a second edition where a lot of that was taken out. Okay. They said, okay, we're going to, we're going to live, we're going to remove the devils, the demons, yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. It's back in from third edition and ever since. There you go. Um, but editorial there's stuff like that and that's a that is you talk about you need your player group yes you know you're going to have one game master or dungeon master they are kind of the narrator the rules lawyer um and then you have a number of players okay 
Um, but figuring out what the group's dynamic is. What do they want to do? What, what kind of adventure do they want to go on? It's, there's, it's, think about um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. There's different movies. You can have different approaches. You know, for instance, does your group want to do Ant-Man? It's light. It's kind of comedy. It's a little bit silly. Or Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy has been held up as this is really what happens. This is a D&D party. You know, you've got five really just completely different and weird people put together in strange circumstances trying to save a planet, the galaxy. Yeah. 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 Um, But, you know, some of the more serious ones, if you wanted to play more serious, you know, or. Try hard, grim, dark, you know. Yes. Well, it's um, the big one for that. It's uh, uh, it's called Curse of Strahd. It's Ravenloft. It's basically it's an immortal vampire. You're fighting Dracula, right? Yes. But you're fighting a Dracula that's been alive for thousands of years and technically can't be killed. You're just trying to get yourself out. But it's got that very, you know, Eastern European Gothic dark. It's always dark and raining in Barovia. So, but, you know, if if that is what your group is into, you have that option as well. There's other ones. Um, I'm, I'm actually getting to play a little bit. Oh, good. Um, Yeah, yeah. Not just a forever DM. No, but... um, uh, there's a book called Wild Beyond the Witchlight, which is very much geared towards like um, sort of like the realms of fairies and nymphs and which that's called sort the Feywild. Yes, in very yes, good. Yeah, yes, yeah. there we go. Um, but it's very it's the, it's your your fairy tale worlds, mm-hmm. and if you've read it, it's pretty it's lighter, yeah. kind of whimsical. More you know, there's definitely chaos involved. Oh yes, when you look at some of the specific rules in the Feywild that compare to yes. the rules of the normal plane of existence in Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, it gets time, out there. Time movement, it's all yeah. weird. You know, a minute there might be a year here. Yeah. You know. Stuff like that. So, but it's it's really what the group wants to do, what they're comfortable cool. with, how they want to approach it. I've seen a lot of D, of, uh, of dungeon masters. They talk about a session zero, and this yep. is kind of a little bit what you're talking about. Is when you actually get your group together, you found some like minded nerds, and you basically give them. Some people use checklists. Some people yep. just do kind of a question and answer specifically person by person what they expect. Um, and what this does is, like you said, it gets everybody on the same page. Yes. Because there's, you know. there's multifaceted to it. Like yep. you said, it's not just let's delve through a dungeon. There's political intrigue there in can some be. of them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's And all kinds of different facets of that. And um, Yeah, that's a big thing that's come around, I'd say, in the last four or five years. Because a lot of you'll hear these stories like games break up and things like that. Well, one, the first joke is always scheduling. You know, getting, you know... With, with adult with, scheduling for multi hours yes. away from their responsibilities. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Where you're gonna, I'm going to go pretend to be. A, yeah. yeah. If if you are married, go tell your you know your spouse I'm going to be gone for four or five hours and I'm going to pretend to be a dwarf. You, you know you're going to get some strange looks, but I digress. Um, but scheduling is one is probably the biggest challenge. You know, my group we have a set time every other Friday night. That's Good. what we're doing. That it that way everybody knows. There's no guesswork. You know, because sometimes if groups move around, it's Tuesday this week and then Thursday. And so scheduling is one. But another is just play styles. If you get two people who want to go into the Wild and two people who want to go Grimdark as players, that's going to be tricky. But that's what a Session Zero should figure out. And that's where, you know, the DM can say, hey, I've got this idea for this adventure. Um, you know, you talk about, um, they call them lines and veils. Things you don't want to see. Okay. Things that should be off, you know, off limits, off camera. Triggering things. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, 
I'm trying to think. Uh, that's very compassionate. Why you think is that you know when you give uh, when you give somebody the grace of saying you know we're going to do this, but we also respect your boundaries. Yeah, that's a really big thing for people. Like one is D and D's got lots of like pet animals, and so like how about harm to them? Yeah, uh, it gets weird. Like the way I always do it, it's like animals in Dungeons and Dragons. Like you got your pet companions, you know, you get your bear or your wolf that comes with you. I've always said it's like a Harry Potter Patronus. Okay. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's magical. It's not flesh and blood. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah. that takes. But that's the kind of thing. If somebody's really an animal lover, they're probably going to want to know in advance. Absolutely. You know. Um, you know things like you can get into. Um, you know body horror stuff like we were saying. Alien, very different universe than you know. But that's something you just as a group you make sure is on, on, you know, is put out there and then, you know, it's time to steer, you know, steer away from that, that sort of thing. Um, and then you, you know, you make characters because you want them to be cohesive. You know, how did this group come together? This guard, you're really, to use the guardians of the galaxy example, you know, so you're starting the adventure. How do they come together? Making sure everybody's got a character they like that works, you know, in their, uni- in your universe. Yeah. But to a yeah, to a degree, but like some will have you know more importance than others, like um, and some are honestly a little trickier to play than others. Okay. Anybody ca- who casts spells, there's like you know all these instruction books, you know players' books, they say, wow, do I need to read 150 pages? No, you know if you're the spellcaster, you're gonna ha- you know you'll know a couple key ones, and you're gonna want to have those bookmarked. You know, if you're that wizard, you're going to want to know what your shield spell does, your magic missile does. There you go. And when you hit fi- fifth level and get fireball, you know, that is, those you're going to know and have memorized pretty quickly. Um, but they can be a little trickier um, than others. Okay. So, and since we're talking about character classes, this is a good yes. segue. All uh, right. Now, as far as, uh, as far as, you know, you kind of already touched on, there's certain difficulties to each class. Yep. Say somebody is, uh, like myself, I'm going okay. into a first, a first session. Um, and I am, uh, I'm not, you know, super, super into all the rules and everything like that. What would you say would be a good class for me to play then? Um, first of all, always play what you like. Okay. For, um, many of the classes have a, like a simplified path, you know, um, for, for the, fu- the basic fighter, the man at arms trained with weapons, they call them the, the champion. Um, all their abilities are always turned on. Okay. You know, there's not as much, you know, talk about, you know, I went to play a game and I started doing math. Yeah. Um, that has much less involved, uh, rogues, thieves are the same way Okay. or they've got special, everybody, every class has special abilities. Some can be used all the time. Some can use parts of the time. Um, but I think one thing, if you're, if you're starting out and one thing that's good, I brought, um, Dungeons and Dragons and all these role-playing games have had starter sets. Because when you talk about, you know, what does it cost to get involved? You know, you start, you know, I shared a picture. I've got two whole shelves of D&D books. If you bought them all at once, uh, my wife would murder me. And we're not even going to talk about the miniatures. Uh, we haven't gone to that part yet. I've, I do have a, a substantial dice collection. Okay. Um, when you start hearing dice of the month, watch out. Oh, gosh. Yep. Yeah. Okay, but, there we go. Uh, yes. But um, these starter sets are great ways to, t- to dip your foot in. Okay. Because within these boxes, and they've done them, again, I brought up, this is where I started. They'll have a set of dice inside. They'll have an adventure, you know, 
20, 25 pages, one, maybe two good nights of work, they'll have pre-generated characters. So there you go. this is what your fighter might look like or your paladin or your wizard with much of the information. And it gives you everything you need to play and dip your foot in. And I, uh, I still, the local game shops still sell them. Oh, that's um, incredible. Yeah, well, I'm looking at a picture right now of your, <laughs> yes. your shelf that you got. Yeah, there's a lot of substantial stuff. Oh, yes. Here. Plus, yeah, the two there's two local uh, independent game stores. Um, they both sell all of this stuff. Um, I think Dog Ear Books downtown historically has sold the starter sets. Um, these are You can get them for about uh, the most recent one is called Dragons of Stormwreck Isle. It was even available through Target. Um, but for like 17, 18 plus tax, you can get a couple of nights to try it out with, you know, I think one of the other trickiest things is figuring out who's going to be your dungeon master. Okay. Somebody's got to sit in that chair. And for some, I'm a talker. It's been a natural fit for me, but there are some who will be nervous and, you know, what if I screw up? You're going to screw up. Just get it over with. You know, screw up early, screw up often. We're all screwing up together. At yes, this exactly. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. part of the fun. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, those things, those are great for getting. And again, many of these games have a starter set like that. With a small investment, comparatively exactly. speaking. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be a huge hobby. Like you said, you don't have right. to have a trash bag full of dice in order to play this game or yes. anything like that. So I've got three like fishing tackle trays, you know, the eight and a half by 11 compartmentalized. Yeah, I got yeah. three of those filled. All different sizes, colors. They come from sets. They come from other places. You get, you get. Um, this is another. You get dice nerdy. Okay. It's like I want really clear, visible numbers. Now that's being the dungeon master. I want to roll those dice, and I want to be able to read them from like eight feet away oh, the go. minute they yeah. stop. You know, because you can get some weird ones. One of my players has got like miniature dice. They're like five millimeter. I mean, it's oh goodness. Yeah, it's like you know. The biggest dice in the set, you could fit like four on your pinky nail. You're doing like a jewelry magnifying glass, like yes, knocking exactly. there just to be able to see what it is. Or yes. somebody's got an onyx set, it's black numbers on a black die, and it's like all of a sudden they're squinting and glasses are on off trying to read. It's like, nope, not my style. Not Thank your you. Style. Okay. But, and then, uh, then also, you know, it's uh, with with people that uh, guys that play sports or anything like that. You know, they got their lucky socks. Are there are there is lucky dice a thing? Is it? I've got some lucky dice. Yes. Okay. Well, there's always, the joke is there's they call it dice jail. Okay. You know, I've got one set. I've been lucky, so I was basically our DM for five years. Through the pandemic, we played online. We got back to face to face. I had a player who wanted to run. A it's a 1980s adventure called the Temple of Elemental Evil. It's one of the first big ones. He wanted to run that. We're finishing it up in about two weeks. She was like, "We'll come to your house, but I'll run it." I'm like, "Okay." I've got one set of dice for my character for that one. I've run now. They've gotten put away. They got put away about two weeks ago because they were just cold. Because that's that happens to everybody. It's like, oh, the dice hate me tonight. The dice hate I, me. Yeah. I can't do anything. I keep rolling fives and sixes. Oh no. So it happens, but yeah, people have dice jails where like, okay, those dice have failed me, swap them out. Um, one of the ones I have is if I have a sets that my players don't want me to see move. Um, one of the things, there's a new mechanic in 5th edition where when a character goes below zero hit points, they're unconscious. Okay. And they have to start rolling death saves. Basically, they're down. Are they bleeding out or are they just unconscious? So is this like the Saving Private Ryan whenever he's shell-shocked and it's hard for him to see and he's like struggling with the thing? Or how is how you said it's this, unconscious, but he's are they are they still able to no, interact? They're, they're okay. just laying they're okay. laying there. But I found for the drama, like normally the game is the player rolls it. 
So like if you know we're playing, you roll, you know, you rolled an eighteen on your first death save. So there you're you like so one in basically the three yeah. and three successes. Your character is basically just lying there unconscious. You're good. Three failures and you are permanently dead. But the trouble is, if you're rolling, everybody knows what's going on. Okay. So I have two sets of extra d20s, bright yellow and bright orange. I roll in secret behind the screen. Okay. All they know, here is your first one. And I keep, the reason I have I have five dice, I keep what the roll is so I can show them afterwards. It just sits there, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just in, just in case the dice go poorly for them, I can show them, yeah, you know. But it adds to that drama effect. Of you course, know? yeah. You see that one character is down. He just rolled a death save. Is he alive? Is he dead? What happened? And all of a sudden, the players react more naturally. Somebody's getting over there. You're getting healed. You know, medical attend. You know, the old medic. There you go. There's your yeah. favorite Private Ryan look. There you go. Okay, so that, that kind of explains it a little bit more yeah. to me there. And then, you, like you said, this is a high-intensity uh, moment because these are characters you may have spent, you know, weeks playing with yep. or, you know, for the whole campaign. You know, they've gone through all these different trials and tribulations and mm -hmm. everything like that, and now they're on the precipice of, of death or life, you know? Yep. Okay. Well, uh, you know, that's that's super cool. So, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about getting a group uh, together and everything like that. If somebody um, doesn't know somebody uh, that, that they, or they may not know yet, you know, maybe uh -huh. somebody's, you know, a, a hidden Dungeons & Dragons fan that they may not know about or anything like that, what do you, what would you recommend of some avenues, Chris, that people can find groups? Um, one of the best ones locally, I know both, so we have two game stores here in Russellville. There's Boss Monster Games on North Arkansas and and good games in uh, Russellville City Mall. Yes, Russellville City Mall. Yes, I couldn't remember. The Sorry name. to interrupt. But, yeah. I was going like the strip mall down there, but yes, but yeah. yes, they both are doing more like intro to D and D nights, like once a cool. month or stuff, yeah, yeah. where they're it's open. They've done those. That's how I kind of wired into them when I was starting to get back into it. Um, those are good um, groups. Always, you know, seem to be looking for players. Um, if you just got a good circle of friends who enjoy some fandom together, that can work. Ah, I didn't you know, think about that. So you could actually leverage what they like and kind of cater a D&D &D game to that. Yes. You know, oh, if they fantastic. like, um, one of the things I've always joked, I need to watch more of like the, uh, the Star Trek series. Because I know like half of my players are just really like, they're okay with Star Wars. They love Star Trek. Okay. And so it's like, I try to. So, but yeah, that kind the, that kind of commonality will help you build stories and get ideas together that you will, um, you know, and you know, you've got that common sort of lingo, you know, all of a sudden when you get to a situation, you're saying, well, so, okay, this, so this is the Kobayashi Maru right now. Okay. How do I get myself out of here? I gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's a possibility. Like your normal, you know, ask yourself, would you hang out and play board games with these people? Okay. Those sort of things can certainly help. Um, yeah. And groups are always looking for players. Um, like I have gotten more people who've asked me, Hey, I'd like to, you know, join in a play or whatever. I mean, I've hopefully now that it's summertime semesters over, I can start checking off some of these people and it's like, all right, let's go sit and play. So you got you a know, waiting list, you know, kind of deal. Uh, there's always interested people who, there you, who go. you know, again, they've heard about it. They love the ideas of it, but taking those first steps, it's always, it's tricky. especially like if you could see it done once you can join in and then you can take off and run with it. Because that's kind of what happened. Um, so I've my group. So we started in person, went online for the pandemic. With everybody stuck at home, one of my players, we all have kids about the same age. One of my players became the DM for our kids game. 
Okay. So he started running them like every, I would say like every two weeks they would, you know, go online. Um, it's uh, Discord is sort of one of the big um, services. They would go on, they would play. So it became like uh, that gave them something to do. You know, they got some interactions but with kids their own age. You know, they were all smaller, younger. I think the oldest was probably 12 or 13. Um, so right now, I'm trying to do the math. I'm sorry, backwards math. It's all good. You know, yeah, there was a seventh grader, a sixth grader, and a fourth grader, and another seventh grader two years ago. So, you know, fifth through kindergarten. But they played, they got together, they got to be silly. You know, even when everybody, this is pre-vaccinations uh, and stuff like that. So yeah. they got, you know, our group spun their group off and um, certainly appreciated that. Yeah. So as kind of a, uh, a little segue into that, you know, to apply it to this this uh, type of uh, podcast that we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, you have a, uh, a dad or a, a mom that's a D&D fan and they yep. want to get their family involved. Oh, Is yeah. this something you could kind of sneak in on a family game night? You know, like you said, buy the starter set and then kind of get them started on it. And just I think say, you certainly could. Cool. I know I've had my wife has played, both my daughters have played. I got a 15-year-old. I think she's too cool for school. I understand. So they, she's they always like giving you giving you the hairy eye, like all right. She might have loved it. She might have hated it, but she's going to give you the same expression. Yeah. Um, you know, to them, it's all about: Do you have a good group? Do they like the people? And that's what it really is all about. Um, you know, my wife likes our my D and D friends. It likes the group. She's hung out for them. We just the word some of their weddings a couple weeks ago. Oh, cool. So, yep, they get together. You know, she's fine with that. You know. Other groups, if it the, you know the chemistry is just not there, it's not there. But we played, you know, um, during the pandemic. I know we played. You know, me and the daughters played a little bit. You use them as experiments and stuff. Like I got this idea for something. Come on, here, let's play for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's especially if you've got like a family who all loves like Marvel movies. Like we were just uh, oh, Lord of the Rings is a good example. Lord of the Rings yeah. is a good example. Um, we were just at, uh, this past weekend, we went to see in, um, Sp- uh, Spider-Verse 2. Oh, Across the Spider-Verse. Across yeah, the, yeah, there yeah, it was. I couldn't yeah. get the right, it's, it's not all be- good. before, yes, but Across the Spider-Verse. And you saw whole families there together. And it's like, that's per- that's the perfect, they've all got that thing, they've got that that fandom behind it. So yeah, it's, um, I know um, there is a certain, um, well, I'll, I'll name drop uh, Holly Hall, she's on the Russellville School Board. She is very nice. Um, I think she works with also. Um, I know she's working a lot with the the dig construction projects and stuff around here. Um, I think she may be further a bigger nerd fan and di- more into it. She, like her whole family plays. Um, wow. She's got some games online and stuff like that. Like I think she's done some Star Wars role playing games and stuff like that. Yeah, Episode there you, two. There yeah, you yeah, go. There you go. That's that's. I that's, set you up the plot thread. I there, set you up the, yeah. the the quest hook is set in true D and D fashion. Now, uh, yes. You know, we're uh, as we as we close out of this and as we kind of get to the end here. Um, you know, you touched on it a little bit. If a group doesn't mesh, you yep. know, um, what are do you you know in your D and D experience? Have you ever had to? Um, uh, see, to to quote John Wick, kind of excommunicado anybody or anything like that. No, not really. Good, good. It's good. I think we have the advantage. Most of us are in and around tech in some way, shape, okay. or form. Professors, administrators, librarians, etc. That gives us a, 
a common culture. We're all used to certain stuff, how to behave, how to act. Okay, okay. Um, I think what, you know, where you, if you hear something about that, you get, um, I hear that a lot like on uh, online games where they'll, there can, there's game matching services. You may get five completely random strangers playing in somebody's game who don't know each other, may not see each other again. And that's where they just, the cohesion is going to start weak and and probably fall apart pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, so as I, we're speaking more into like a toxic game environment here, kind of. It doesn't even need to, it. Toxicity can happen, but I think okay. it's pretty rare. It's just, it just doesn't gel. You okay. know, you people. You know, again, we brought up that example. Two people want to be dark and gothic and serious. Two people want to be more, uh, you know, um, pratfall and silly, and it's just. It's just not a good, it's not a gel. And, um, you know, Dungeon Masters, they can, uh, the big thing, communicate, yes. talk to people, what's your, ex- you know, before, during, and after, you know, what's your expectations, what can we do here, try and square this, because um, that's usually one of the, the biggest people aren't talking about what their expectations are. They're like, we're just going to play. Yeah. Um, they don't want to shake the trees. They don't want right. to be too needy. So people wind like up that. being like quiet. Like you'll have four, you know, four players on a zoom chat and a DM and two may barely even chime in. You know, that's what you're trying to avoid. Okay. So, so lots um, of communication is the most important yes. way to circumvent any kind of problems or anything. Exactly. That occurred yep. in the games. Okay. So just be good humans to each other. It's kinda... amazing how far that will take you. There you go. There you go. Yep. And uh, with that, Chris, you know, thank you so much for your time here. We, uh, we really, uh, this is a great episode. I, uh, I appreciate you for being here and sharing your nerddom with us and with all the listeners. Uh, Listeners, you guys, comment on what you guys liked about this episode, anything that we can do better. Uh, We love hearing your feedback, and we love making these episodes for you guys. And, uh, yeah, check us out uh, on the socials. Check us out off the Offbeat Times. Uh, We're also on Spotify. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just leave us a like. It really helps us. We're trying to get this channel growing. Uh, we always make a joke, Shane and I do, about the uh, we want to we get Raid Shadow Legends or somebody, but it doesn't have to be that big. If you want to sponsor this show or anything like that, just drop us a line. And, uh, and yeah, it was, uh, it was fun being nerdy with you, uh, Chris, and, uh, yeah, we, uh, we definitely appreciate you. Well, thank and, you for having me. And you all have a good one.